it's like January 6th stuff that is like so over at this point. It's so over. The less overreaction, the less reaction to it in some places was so over the top. It was like me and two other colleagues who were there who were outside. And we were just having fun. Dude, come on. Like, we were not in any danger. Matthew Rosenberg is a Pulitzer Prize-winning national security correspondent for The New York Times. In multiple meetings with one of our undercover journalists, Rosenberg reveals a lot about the inner workings and inner turmoil at The Times. For starters, he doesn't hesitate to undermine his own paper's coverage of the events that took place in our nation's capital on January 6, 2021, and chides corporate media's reaction, or in his own words, overreaction. Like, I, like, you could tell how, how much fun we had on January 6th. Oh, that's great. Is, Are you allowed to have that much fun on January 6th? I, I just be warning. I know, I know. So, so if you're traumatized. <laughs> but, like, all these colleagues who are in the building, like, I'm like, oh my god, this is so scary. I'm like, oh, god. Is that like, really the vibe from them? I'm like, come yeah. on. Like, it's not the kind of place I can sit tell somebody to man up, but I kind of want to. You're like, dude, come on. Like, you were not in any danger. I got in Zola, I got in Adam, Goldman, Goldman, Sabrina, Tavarizzi, a bunch of photographers. Then there were people inside the Capitol. Yeah, who's inside? Little, little dweebs who keep going on about their trauma. And like, guys, shut the f I guess it was scarier. Did they write about it? Oh god, please tell me who so I can read. I don't know if they wrote about their trying to this chick named Emily Cochran and this guy named Nick Fandos. They're both like in their twenties. Nick Fanos? Fandos. Fanos. They covered Nick Nick doesn't anyway, they covered comments. So congressional reporters. The story I got sucked into doing was like I usually I work for I'm doing investigative stuff, I usually do like longer term things. But I'm like I got back to work on Monday. And the mad, managing editor had a, a great idea that he could have had a month ago, which was like, we should really, me and a colleague had done like a very like long 7,000 word story last year in February about like kind of the big lie about the Stop the Steal campaign, which is a very organized campaign. It wasn't like an organic one. He's like, can we do like part two of that, like what's going on in the years from January 6th, kind of like memory holding it, like making it it's no big deal? Like, yeah, we can do that. It's a little quick turnaround. So it's we've been doing the last few days. That's the story. But it's in a meeting. And I'm like, you know, one of the issues here is that, like, the Fox News of the world, other elsewhere, is that the less overreaction, the less reaction to it in some places was so over the top that it gave the opening the right even to start introducing the idea of, well, these people are out of control. Like, it's not a big deal as they're making it. Because they were making too big a deal. They were making this organized thing that it wasn't. And that gave the opening for the illusions in the right to be like, oh, well, nothing happened here. It was just a peaceful bunch of tourists, you know. And it's like, just, but nobody was here. Not as big of a deal as the media made it out to be? Well, that hasn't stopped Rosenberg from publishing his part two article earlier this year describing the false narratives that circulate around January 6th in the events that unfolded. You know, we're the ones, not Fox, not Breitbart, who actually went and uncovered the fact that, like, there were a ton of FBI informants on the people who attacked the Capitol. 
That was us. Not the right one, guys. You need the sources from within to dig into those places. You need the sources from within to dig into those places. But it's especially over the CIA. I'm gonna say it's like if you work there, you get polygraphed every year, and you're asked if you spoke to a reporter. If your answer is anything but no, you're in deep trouble. So you're often talking to former people that talking to people who are still there. You're also talking to people who are recently left who are still talking to people on the inside. So people on the inside cannot talk. Well, when you talk to people who got arrested, their families, or their neighbors. This is neighbors and stuff. Families usually don't want to talk for good reason. Have you guys talked to anybody who's actually been arrested? Yeah, although most of them have no lawyers who told them not to talk to us. Like if, Why? If you're facing serious criminal charges, you probably the laughing should just talk to a journalist. Unless there's like a very specific reason that you need, like, that some good come of it, like, there's no way you should talk to me. No good's gonna come of it. Why not? Because anything you say is gonna end up in court. And you just don't want to be interested. I wouldn't know. Rosenberg is right. What good can come from speaking to a journalist who privately describes the events on January 6th as not a big deal, yet spins something entirely different for the world to read in his newspaper? Project Veritas has received letters from those incarcerated for being present that day. Voices that remain unheard describe a total lack of due process, spurred by the reactions, or in Rosenberg's words, overreaction, of how those events were portrayed around the world by the media and politicians. Stay tuned for part two of the series as Rosenberg continues to delve deeper into the turmoil and inner workings of the New York Times, including a serious admission about the infamous Trump P-tapes. You definitely won't want to miss that.